Father, thank you so much for the fact that you, your Holy Spirit works and he works in our hearts and he works through the word of God. And thank you, Lord, for um, bringing us together to, to learn of you and to worship you. And Lord, you are, you are a mighty, you are awesome, you are good. Your word says that in, in, in you there is no darkness, no shifting shadow, that you are, God is light and in him there is no darkness. And Lord, we thank you for the power of your word and, and the fact that, that you are the one who makes alive. You're the one who restores. You're the one who revives, Lord. You're the one who heals. You're the one who sets straight, Lord. Uh, without you, we can do nothing, Lord. You are, you are our everything, Lord. And we just give you praise for that, Lord. And you don't change, Lord. Nothing's impossible with you. Nothing's too difficult for you. Nothing is a strain to you, Lord. No matter where each one of us is in our lives, Lord, you're, you're the good shepherd who seeks those who are lost, who finds those who have wandered off, Lord. Yes. And so, Lord, this morning we ask, Lord, for the Holy Spirit's leading uh, as I um, pray the prayer that you told Jeremiah, Lord, I will put my words in your mouth. Let these be your words, not mine, Lord. We want to honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, one more thing before we get into the word, as we also do to honor the word, uh, honor the Lord, is we stand and read a portion of scripture. So let's stand. We're going to read um, a very familiar text. In fact, it's if there's one, if there's like when I was a kid, the first thing I memorized was the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to read the Lord's Prayer from the Book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. And if you want to put it on the screen, Jesus says, "Pray in this way." Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who... Our debtors, I memorized it a different way. but And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's a key prayer. I memorized it with a different translation. That's a key prayer that the Lord taught us to pray, and it's effective, okay? And it's interesting how this morning, the theme of the worship that you had was the word of God, right? This is the air I breathe, your very word, right, spoken to me, right? And it's amazing how the Lord uh, directs that through his spirit. So we're going to look into some scripture on that. Have a seat. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to open to James chapter 1. We are doing a study in James. And James is a practical book. Welcome to those who are watching online. If you happen to be watching, say hello. James is a practical book. And is it possible to get one more set of lights on? Because I'm blind. James chapter 1 we're going through this wonderful book. James is, of course, the brother of Jesus. And James um, uses a lot from actually the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look, starting in verse 18 today. Um, we'll see how far we get. Um, one of the things that James talks about is being complete and mature in your faith, right? And he, the first section, he talked about the, uh, the idea of the use of trials to mature your faith, right? Today I'm going to really look on, on the use of the Word of God, okay? And the maturing in your faith through the Word of God. Um, 
One of the biggest things I see in the church at, at large, at least here in our country, in our, in our city as well, is ineffective, saltless churches that deny or neglect the Word of God. Uh, some churches that I'm very familiar with uh, have decided to do a whole series on books that aren't in the Bible uh, so, and not really follow through the Word of God. Um, we are susceptible as Christians to the lies of the enemy if we don't have the Word of God hidden within us. Right? Thy word I have treasured, I've treasured my heart so they may sin against you. A lot of false doctrines, a lot of false gospels and things like that are out there. And uh, let me just give you the, the main point here is that your maturity as a Christian is directly related to what you do with the Word of God. I'm just going to say it right out there. Your um, maturity as a Christian, is directly related to what you do with the Word of God. Okay? Your maturity as a Christian is directly related to the Word of God. The Word of God is the key to maturity, and what you do with it will advance that. Jesus says in John 15, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, I mean, Jesus Christ's words, the Word of God, there's no other words like it, right? You, can't, you can pick up another book, it doesn't read like the Bible, right? These are, as, as Simon Peter says, uh, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. You can go to a bookstore and pull out books to the shelf, and they become great, inspired, Mayan-inspired books, but they don't read as the Word. They don't breathe life into your soul. You have the words of life, Peter says, and that's why I alluded to the psalmist in Psalm 119. He says, your word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. And James is going to point out some marks of maturity in these, in these next few verses, some marks of, of maturity. And the first one we're going to find in verse 18, and that's that you recognize the power of God, the power of the word of God. A mature believer recognizes that the word of God has power. It's powerful. Look at verse 18. He says, James 1.18, In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Now back up for a second because I'm inter- in- 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 interrupting or inserting myself into a, a-, a mid-argument here. Um, he says, don't let many of you, he says, let no one say when he's being tempted, I'm being tempted of God, of God right? For God cannot be, t- be tempted by evil. Basically, he is completely contrary to that, right? He says, um, verse 17, every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow, okay? And then he says, verse 18, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Now, a couple things here. You and I, if you're a believer in Jesus, were brought forth by God's own choice. Okay? None of us willed ourselves into being born. How many of you guys willed yourself into being born? We didn't. There's something within the realm of God where he decided to bring us forth, right? Spiritually speaking, to make us alive. This was his choice. We didn't have anything to do with it. He initiated the whole process. And that's how it is with salvation. It starts and ends with God. He makes the first choice, the first move. We love him because he first loved us. He always makes the first move. 
Because guess what? None of us would even go seeking after him if he hadn't sought after us. Amen? And the exercise of his will, his own, um, this idea for will is uh, an idea of, of planning something to accomplish a goal. Okay? John 1 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It was God's choice to do this. So the exercise of his will, he brought us forth. We were spiritually dead. God, by his own choice, made us alive. Paul says in Ephesians um, 2 that we were dead in sin, he made us alive. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, right? There's something that has to happen outside of your efforts, and that's where Christianity differs from every other religion in the world. Every other religion is work your way to heaven, right? Climb, beat yourself up, fast, do all kinds of rules and regulations, and you'll never even make it out of the atmosphere. That's a lot of pressure, right? A lot of religion is, man, work your way up to the heavens, right? And you'll never make it. Christianity is God came down to us, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? So we were spiritually dead. And we were, he made us alive. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's a work of God. It's a mysterious work. It's a powerful work. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless it's been granted my, my Father. There's that work of God. And the mature believer recognizes, first of all, the significant power of God. But then he says, this is how he does it. Look at a verse, go back to James 1.18. In the exercise of his will... He brought us forth by the word of truth. You see that word by? In the Greek, it's a dative of means, which indicates the method. What's the method by which he brought us forth, okay? We know it's God initiating, but the method is by the word of God. God used the word of God, the, word, the truth, the gospel, to bring us to salvation. Amen? Paul says in Romans 10, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, declaring, so that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. God's word gives us life and a mature believer recognizes the power of God in his word, amen? Right. Now if you want, if, again, my main point is this. Your maturity as a believer is directly related to what you do with the Word of God. And, and maturity, you recognize God's Word is powerful. Yeah. Amen? God's Word gives us life. God's Word sustains us. No other Word, no other person has the ability to give us life. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 4, man shall not live by bread alone. When he's tempted by Satan, right? He goes, no, 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 I'm not going to turn this, this stone into bread. 
Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You realize God spoke and worlds came to existence. Now think about that. God speaks and worlds occur. The power of God. It's the words of Christ that brings us life. Peter says, you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. And later on he says, but, and this is the word that was preached to you. His word gives us life. It's through his word that we came into being. It's his word that sanctifies. He says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Go to Psalm 119. I'm gonna go just get out of James for a second. Psalm 119. And I was, uh, I was showing this to the, to the boys beforehand about really cool things about Psalm 119. But go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is all about his wor- his, the psalmist's love for God's commandments and God's statutes and God's word, right? You, he, he's, he says, I so want to be in your word. Like in verse 11, look at Psalm 119 in verse 11. He says, your word I have treasured in my heart, they not my sin against you. God's word keeps us from sin. All right, amen? By the way, just pause, pause, pause button here. So Psalm 119, if you have your scriptures, um, it has maybe a, a symbol on top of each section. You see that? Uh, it might say Aleph or has a, a Hebrew letter. If you want to learn Hebrew alphabet, look at Psalm 119. Slow down. I'll slow down. I'm excited. Who's excited here to hear the word of God? Okay, if, if I'm ex- if, if your pastor's not excited to hear the word, I'm, I'm in the wrong business. But I'm excited. So just a little pause apart from the thing. Um, each section in Hebrew, so like see, look, verse, look at verses one through eight. You see that? In the top section, it says Aleph. That's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. In Hebrew, each verse, the first letter of each verse starts with Aleph. And the next section is Beit, which is the letter like B. And each verse in Hebrew starts with the letter Beit. And it goes on from there. But the whole thing's about the love for the word of God. God's word keeps us from sin. God's word revives a thirsty soul. Look at verse 25. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Verse 27, it gives us understanding. Make me to understand your, your, the way of your precepts so that I will I will meditate on your wonders. God's word strengthens. Look at verse 28. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. I mean, go on and on with this, with, this, uh, with this chapter about what God's word does. God's word is powerful, right? Go back to James. And God made us alive through the preaching and declaration of the word of God. And the word of God is where it started and it continues with our life. So you get your life through the preaching of the word of God, but you also get your sustenance through the word of God. You get your encouragement through the word of God, right? You get your hope through the word of God. See, a mature believer recognizes the power of the word of God, amen? This is why we teach the scriptures. This is why we open up the Bible, Things happen when the Bible's open. Things happen when, you, when your nose is in the, when you're, when you're reading it. I can't explain it. It just works. God used the gospel, the word of God, declared to give us life. Paul says in Thessalonians, he says, 
but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the, in the truth. It was for this he called you through the gospel that you may gain glory. Now let me ask you a question. Because it starts, your birth starts with the gospel and the word of God, right? With God making you alive. Now let me ask you a question. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? I'm not going to go any further until I get that settled, right? Have you been born again? Have you experienced the quickening of your soul? Have you experienced being made alive by God? Because if you're not, you're living in darkness. You may be going to church, but you're living in darkness. You may be dressing up, living in darkness. You may carry a Bible to church with you, but you're living in darkness. Have you been born again? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered your life to the Lordship of God? I'm not doing my job if I don't ask that question. This may be the most important day of your life. You can go through your whole life filling everybody else, but that's the one question. What do you do with God's Word and God's Son? This is why, I mean, are you ready to meet Jesus? You're not guaranteed to live another second of this life. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Say, well, I, I, I think I'm going to live a long time, and I'll decide later on. You don't know that. You don't know that. And that's why it's so important that we share the gospel. That's why it's important that, the, that our, our efforts are, you know, it's not, it's not based on our own power. The gospel of God is powerful enough. I love what Paul says. So like Paul says in, in Corinthians 2, he says, when I came to you, I didn't come with persuasive arguments. How many of you guys are afraid to share the gospel because you're wondering, oh, I have to think of all the comebacks, right, for somebody's objections? How many of you guys, come on, am I the only one? Yeah. Like, I won't share it with anyone until I can figure out all of the, how do I answer these questions, and then I'll share. No. Paul says, I didn't come with, to you in 1 Corinthians 2, 5 or something like that with persuasive arguments. And he could have, right? He's a smart guy. I came to you in humility and with a demonstration of the power and the spirit. That's why he says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. It's the good news. And I can't explain what God does in a person's soul to get them ready, to hear it, to receive it. But that's in his quarter, right? Amen? Go back to James. Go back to James. Are you guys tracking with me? Yeah. All right. So watch this. So the first thing was this, this recognizing the power of God. But the second mark of maturity is the attitude toward the Word of God, the proper attitude to the Word of God. Look, look what he says in verse, look, turn with me to verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. This you know, or know this, it's command, know this. Be, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I think it's within the context of hearing the Word of God, mm-hmm. how you respond to the Word of God. Right. Um, this attitude toward the Word of God. Um, 
He says, know this, pay attention, be quick to hear, be ready to receive. Have an eagerness to receive the Word of God, to hear, to listen, to not just, just have it go one way, to actually pay attention. It implies a teachable spirit. It implies a hunger for growth. It implies that you haven't formed an opinion yet. You're, re- you're ready to receive. Now, let me just tell you, when you come to church, have the attitude of hearing. No matter who's up here. I remember one time we visited a church. I'm not going to say what church it is. And it was, we just visited one time. A very large, large church. And the people around me, I just kind of, you look at people's body language before the, before the, the, the service starts. And they're kind of like, oh, when's it going to be over? You know, that kind of thing. You know, just kind of bored. And, uh, the, 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 and I'm like, I don't know who the pastor is. I don't know what this church is about. I just know I'm looking around and I'm feeling they're here because they feel like they have to be here, but they don't really want to hear God's word. That was the impression. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm like this. I'm leaning in, right, to listen. And I, he did his homework. He could tell he'd prepared. He put some time into it. And I was able to receive something. I'm looking around. Guys wondering when his golf time is or something. You know, they're just kind of just, when you go and listen to the word of God, come expecting to hear something. Come expecting for God to speak. Come expecting for God to move. Right. Amen? It's amazing how Jesus can go into some places and they didn't hear him or listen to him because they rejected him, right? Because he's from Nazareth, that little little town where no, nothing good comes out. And he's a son of carpenter. He hasn't been trained. Who's this Jesus, you know? And they, they prejudged him. When you come and you open up the word of God, in fact, every time you open the word of God, expect him to speak. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. There's that attitude. Be quick to hear. The most important thing you hear may be something come from the Word of God. That's a sign of maturity. I went to a preaching convention this last week, and the, he was really good. And of course, we're all pastors or one, you know, whatever. And everyone's like this, right? Listening because we want to. We understand what he has is valuable to us. What is more valuable than hearing the scripture being proclaimed? In all of the world's existence, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Amen? Tells you there's something really special about God's word. Oh, man, I get excited. Anyway. Uh, Then he says, he says, uh, yeah, be quick to hear. And of course, be attentive, be eager, that's going to lead to your growth because you want to hear from... That's why, that's why Jesus says, hey, there's Martha in the kitchen getting all stressed out and there's Mary sitting at his feet. Mary has chosen the better part because he's listened to God's word. He says, listen, that's, that's great. We're hungry. We'll be hungry, but she's getting better food right now, okay? And by the way, Mary was the only one. Here's the little, Mary was the only one. You know, he, he would share about the fact that he's going to be crucified. She's the only one who gets it because she anoints it for his burial. They're arguing about who's the greatest, right? Who's going who's to be the greatest, you know, sit next to him. And he's like, Mary recognizes that I'm getting ready to die. And she only, why does she get it? Because she's actually listening to him. See, sometimes when you're, you're not quick to hear, you're quick to say something, right? Like in conversation, 
Come on, how many guys are like this? You know, you're listening, but you're not because you're, you're really wound up. Interject your own thoughts to the process, right? To the conversation, but you're not really listening. When it comes to the word of God, he goes, be quick to hear and slow to speak. That's why James says, he says, let not many of you become teachers. Don't be one that, I, I didn't, I ran from this, right? Because I, this is serious to me. People's souls, I mean, that's a high calling, right? I can't imagine being like a medical doctor where you're like, people's lives at my hand. Now I've got spiritual, you know, I, you know, that's, that's scary, right? I take that seriously. So I ran from it for years. And then God, of course, you know, through his mercy and all that, but he goes, be slow to speak. Help me to hear and process. And when I speak, I better speak clearly and slow down. I have to slow down. I understand that, right? And then he says, be slow to anger. That's in, re- in response to hearing God's word. Sometimes hearing God's word hits a nerve, right? I don't want to hear that, God, right? You're not ready to hear that, don't do that sin anymore. Oh, but I like that sin. Oh. God's word has a way of penetrating the heart and saying, you know, you've got me right there, Lord. Amen. That's hard. It's hard to hear the corrective words, amen? It's hard to hear the rebukes and, the, and things like that, but... It's like, okay, Lord, um, he says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve or accomplish uh, or, or, or work the righteousness of God. Are you an eager listener to the word of God? Like right, right now, are you eagerly here? Do you realize how important this word is to your soul? Or does it bore you? Would you rather be watching football right now? Listen, football will be on. But not one of those guys has died for your soul. Blood, sweat, and tears, I don't care. I love football. Don't get me wrong, I love sports. Let's just get this right here, though. I want to be an eager listener. Maybe it seems irrelevant to you. Your soul will live eternally somewhere. And what you do with the Word of God has a direct effect on what destination you go, heaven or hell. So are you an eager listener to the Word? Do you listen with expectation? Do you have a a humble heart, a listening, a teachable heart? How do you respond when sin is pointed out to you? Is it to blame, or is it with contrition? Lord, you got me there. Please change my heart. Please wash my sins away. By the way, God's word ought to make us more humble, too. As you grow in God's word, I'll make you more humble, because it's like you're, you're being re- revealed, one, even more of the greatness of God, and more of your sinfulness, and then I'll be like, Lord, how could you? You're so merciful. God is so merciful. I'm going to share one more today because we're going to have communion today. As far as the mark to maturity, the first one was he recognized the power of God's word. The second was what? What was the second one? Your attitude, proper attitude. And the third one, 
is a preparation to receive. So what do you do to prepare to receive God's word? We're talking about how important it is in our lives, right? I think James is being really direct here. In verse 21, he's actually, his main area is going to be in verse um, in verse 21, where it says, receive the word implanted. Do you see that phrase? That's his main thought in this sentence. That's everything else is preparation before and after. The main idea in this verse is receive the word, right? With the word implanted. So let's read the verse. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness. That means there is, there is a preparation involved, right? There is there is the, 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 uh, this removing of hindrances. The idea of putting off is the Greek uh, word, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it for you, but it means to lay aside or to take off like a garment. Um, to, to, to remove this, 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 this clothing, let's say, from you. To stop doing something. It's used in Ephesians 4.22 that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted. And later on, it says, now put on the new self. Lay aside the old self, right? Lay aside falsehood. Speak truth with one another. So there's this, this laying aside. In fact, he says, look at verse 21 again. Uh, Therefore, putting, off, uh, putting aside all filthiness. Uh, that's a word that means moral filth. It was used of literal dirt and grime, Right? And, uh, and it's just, you know, lay it all aside. Remove that from your life. And all that remains of, 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 uh, of wickedness, uh, depravity, evil character, bad attitudes. Remove that, he says. Remove the obstacles that would hinder you from receiving the word of God. That's what maturity is. And sometimes... That's why sometimes when we have in our time of prayer and our time of worship, that's the really the time in church. Let's say as a times like Lord, do I need to confess something? How's my attitude? Am I am I holding a grudge or am I holding anger? And am I holding on to lies? Am I holding am I holding on to stuff that's going to prevent me from really receiving? Right. That's why we do. That's why we have a time of, of meditation before church. This is a time to, to prepare your heart. So have you prepared your heart to receive God's word? And what's hindering you from receiving God's word? Is there sin that you need to give up? This is so important. This isn't just words on a Sunday. This is life. Are there lies you've been believing? Lies about yourself? Then he says, in the process of receiving, look what he says here. Um, in humility, so therefore putting aside all filthiness and all remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted. The word in humility means uh, gentleness, meekness. Uh, There's something about when you're humble, you're in a more receptive position to receive, amen? In humility, um, to to regard what's to receive and regard what's true. You've, you're, you're able to receive and say, Lord, I'm not going to defend myself anymore. I'm not going to say, well, what about him or her? I'm going to be like, Lord, you're right. Have you guys ever been, okay, those of us who are married, I'm, I'm not going to, 
and you've been in an argument with your wife, right? Let's just say this, right? But she's, she's speaking truth to you, and you're defending yourself because you want to hear it because you're embarrassed, and that's a sore point. And the Lord says, just shut up and just take it, right? Because she's right. So take it in humility because she's pointing out things that I want to show you in humility, and that's how you grow because then you take it and you receive it and you do something about it. You give it to God. Is this making sense? See, in order to receive it in humility and to receive it properly, you're allowing the Word of God to do what it's supposed to do in your life. And my, my prayer is that it doesn't go in from here, watch this, not just here, to here, but from here to here, and eventually from here to here. Okay, let's say it again. So, so some people just, it goes in one ear out the ear, right? One ear, yeah. But eventually you want it to go in your mind. But eventually you want to go from your mind, your thoughts, to your heart. That's the, that, that's the hardest part because from here I know about this. I know the knowledge about this. I know what it says, but I really haven't allowed it to really penetrate my heart and do something it's supposed to do. Yeah. That's where you, the, the humility allows that. Pride keeps it up here. But humility allows it to go from here to here to here to your hands to what changes your life. That's why the scene where there's the, 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 the humble guy saying, be merciful to me, the sinner, and the other guy who says, I'm so glad I'm not like this other guy, he goes away justified because he recognizes his need and the word of God and has penetrated his heart and has showed him who he is. And he's like, you're right, God. Please help me here. He walks away justified. That's the goal. Lord, penetrate my heart. Penetrate my heart. Is there a sin you need to put off that's preventing you from hearing and receiving? Do you listen with attentiveness and with eagerness to learn and grow? Do you allow the word of God to influence every part of your life? Or do you just keep it at bay, Sunday mornings only, with church folk around me? Or is it actually penetrating your heart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Does your family see you struggle with trying to, to follow God's word? Is it your authority and guide in your life? I said I would stop. Can I do one more? <laughs> you guys, is this sinking in or is this, am I boring you to, to no, I'm not going to bore you. It's the word of God. It's not boring. All right. All right. It's a lot, right? I'm giving you a lot. That's my, I don't want to give you, anyway. All right. All right. One more. <clears throat> Mark's maturity. You recognize the power of God, right? What was the second one? Yeah, proper attitude. Third one? Prepare your heart to receive. And the fourth one is you practice the word. 
is the practice of the word. That's why I said it's from, it's from here, right? Here, to here, to here. James says, look at verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word. Practice the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. James is saying, put the word into practice. It's good that you know things, but that, that has, if that knowledge has not changed how you live, how you speak, your attitudes, then it's pointless, right? How you live makes a difference. How you live, you can be a Christian in your mind, but your thoughts, actions, and words has nothing to do with Jesus, and it makes no difference. Prove yourselves. In fact, the Greek, said, just said, the, the Greek doesn't have the word prove, so technically it just says, be doers. That's what the Greek says. This is the proof. It says, do the word of, uh, word of God, and not merely hear it. Become um, doers of the word. The word doer is actually a, uh, is the word uh, poetis, which means to get poem from. It's a, it's a word to, meet, to make. One who does something, who does something what is prescribed. And it's not merely or only a hearer. Putting it to practice. Putting it to practice. James says, those who, who are merely hearers, go back to, am I still in James? I am still in James. Um, verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And then he's going to go on to the next several verses of contrasting foolish hearers from wise hearers, right? Those who are foolish, who, who, who are merely hearers only, delude themselves. They, they defraud themselves. They're lying to themselves. They listen to the word of God only, and that's it. It goes no further, Right? People can think that they're doing things good just because they hear, but they don't do. Listen with the intent of putting into practice. Listen with the intent of doing something. Lord, let it penetrate my heart so that my walk is different. Let it penetrate my heart so that my talk is different. Let it penetrate my heart so my attitude is different. Right? And every time I'm showing where I'm off, let me receive with humility and then make a course correction, right? Let it impact my life. Let people say, man, I knew who you were beforehand, and now you're a different person. You walk, talk, act, something different, and there's something different about you. That's the Word of God doing what it's supposed to do. Amen? Do you listen with the intent of putting it to practice? That's why I said the main point, your maturity is directly related to what you do with the Word of God. Go to, go to Matthew 7. Go to Matthew 7. So James is a brother of Jesus, and he, he pulls a lot of, of Jesus' teaching from, uh, from the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 7, Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount with these words, verse 24, Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them or does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, 
and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Is your life founded on the rock of Jesus? Is your life founded on practicing and doing and obeying the word of God? And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. So James says, don't be a foolish hearer. A foolish hearer. Look what he says. Go back to James verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 23. Look with me back there. James 1, 23. For if anyone is a hearer, of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. So he's got a mirror in front of him, right? And once he's looked at himself and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. He, he looks, and the Greek word is kataneo, uh, noeo. It means to consider. It's just not a glance, okay? By the way, the mirrors back then weren't as nice as our mirrors today, okay? They were sort of like polished bronze and they were kind of so you had a little bit of image of what you look like, but it was enough. And so the word there, who, to looks, means to consider, to really look at, right? To, to really um, reflect, to contemplate on what you're seeing. So you're seeing an image of yourself, right? So watch this, watch this. You're seeing an image of yourself, and you're gathering information, and you're being fully aware of what you're, real, what you're, what you're doing. You're not just looking for a glancing thought. You're really studying what your reflection looks like. You see that? Okay? And he says... But then you go away and you forget what you even look like. So what's a mirror supposed to do? Well, you got to, oh, my eyebrows were getting along. <laughs> my eyebrows were getting along. So I looked at <laughs> They were getting along. They were getting along, you know, kind of out there, you know. And so I used my wife's mirror, really, really nice the makeup mirror with the light, you know, and it's magnified and, it was like too much, you know? And I'm able you know, do my thing until I kind of clean up a little bit, right? So the mirror is meant to show you something so you can do something about what you see, right? And James says, the person who looks, who hears the word but doesn't do it is like that guy who sees, he's like, oh, I got long eyebrows, and he forgets, and he just goes along and does nothing with it. It's kind of a funny thing. I think that's why James even puts it here. It's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous, right? He has no intent of applying it, no intent of, of, of thinking it's useful or helpful. He compares himself to himself, and that's the problem. See, when you look in a mirror, you're seeing yourself, and sometimes you think, I'm looking okay. Now watch what James does. James actually now changes it to, to this. Because now, if you're looking at yourself and seeing yourself, and you're not even thinking that anything's wrong with you, you won't change. Look, look, look at what James does. But the wise doer, verse 25, but the one who looks intently, not in the mirror, see how he's switching that? But where? In the perfect law. Having not, and, and, and the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Look what he said. He looks intently, Different Greek word, it means, is parakupto, means to examine, to look more closely at, to stoop down. It's actually, here's the word. The one who looks intently at the word of God, the gospel, right? The law of liberty. 
looks intently. That's the word that's used of Mary and later on Peter going to the empty tomb of Jesus and bending down to take a look and see it's empty. That's the word that's used for, for, in, for looking intently. You're looking to find. You don't have a clear view, but you're looking to see. You have that interest. You're looking to, to, to make that change. You exert some effort by bending down. So you're looking at the Word of God. You're reading the Word of God, and you're looking intently. Show me your ways, O oh God, and show me my ways, and so where, what do I need to make adjustment? That comes from the Word of God, right? It's not by looking at a mirror and seeing yourself and forgetting what you look like. It's by looking at the Word of God and saying, well, reveal that to me. Reveal who you are. Reveal where I'm at and how I can make that change. Does that make sense? That's a wise doer. In fact, Peter actually uses the word of how um, that the things that happen, it says that angels even look into, they, they peer down. They, they want to take a closer look of, at the gospel and the wonders of how God did this for saving mankind, right? They're interested. That's the idea. Looking into the law of liberty, the gospel that sets people free, does not trap it does not weigh down it gives freedom gives life amen, amen. and he says ah verse 25 the one who looks intently at the perfect law the law of liberty and abides by it not becoming a forgetful doer forgets what he looks like but our effectual here effect, effect, effect i'm sorry i need to slow down hey but we're having fun aren't we um not becoming a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. Watch this. This man will be what? In what he does. The blessing is in the doing. Amen? The blessing is in the doing. Wise builders enter storms, with, but their life will not fall apart because they have built, they have listened, they have followed, and they have built their life properly. And they're able to endure the storms of life. Storms will come. Somebody said, and Jesus says, you're blessed if you do these things. And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So maturity starts with understanding the power of God. Recognize that changes lives. And then you have this attitude of wanting hearing from it, right? And then you're preparing for it, right? And then you put it into practice. It flows that way from here to here to here. That's what it's all about. One commentator says, apply yourself to the word so that you may be able to apply the word to your life. At the end of the day, your maturity in Christ directly related to what you do with the Word of God. What you do with it. What are you going to do with the Word of God? What are you going to do with it? How important is it? Is it like oxygen to your soul? Let me challenge you. Get into the Word. Get into the Word. Read the Word. Start with the Gospel of John and just read it. I find it helpful to read out loud. Just read it out loud. Ask questions. Questions 
and to interest. I wonder why this. What's going on here? Just read it. It does something to your soul. And have the attitude, Lord, change my heart and let me live this and do this. Amen. Um, let me just challenge you before we go, before we, we have our communion time. The most important thing is, are you born again? Are you spiritually alive? Have you surrendered to Jesus Christ? Why not if you haven't? If you have, are you hungry? Are you hungry for him? Are you hungry for his word? God sent his son to make it possible to purchase life for us, to make it possible for us to have a relationship with him. And God's word wasn't just mere words, they were also action. God so loved his, his, the world that he gave, he did something. This wasn't in here or in here. He gave his son that whosoever may believe in him will have eternal life and not perish. Lord, we just thank you for your word, God. Lord, by your word, you spoke all of the universe into existence, Lord. You are the source of life. You are life, God. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a hunger for your word. Let us not be satisfied with words of men that come that, that promise much and, did, and they fail to deliver. Give us a hunger and thirst for your word, Lord. A hunger and thirst for you, God. Your word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us, I pray, Lord, that you would whet our appetites, Lord. I pray for our young people, Lord, just like you made David have a heart after you, Lord, make our young people to have that as well. And all, our older people too, all of us, Lord, to hunger for you, God. Thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, if we were stranded on a desert island, we want food, shelter, and your Bible, Lord, your word, because it is food to us. And God, thank you so much, Lord. Help us, Lord, not just to be hearers of the word, but actual doers of the word. And help us to, to see you, Lord, how it reveals how wonderful you are. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if We're going to pass out the elements, and as we do, prepare your hearts, um, confess sins, and uh, prepare your hearts to receive. This is uh, something we do on the first Sunday of every month, and it's uh, we want to honor the Lord in that as well. Take a few minutes to prepare your hearts and uh, thank the Lord. Maybe confess some sins or get things right. Let's think about the incredible love that God demonstrated in giving His Son for us. What a wonderful gift.
Lord, we just want to give you praise and thanks, Lord, for the fact that your love was demonstrated on the cross. Your love wasn't just a mere word or words, but they were proved with actions. And you accomplished um, something for us that we could never have ever, ever achieved, Lord. In the giving of your life, Lord, for the atonement of our sins, you purchased life for us, God. And you offer it a free gift to us. Lord, I thank you that on that last day, the last supper, the time you had with your disciples, preparing them, um, that you gave these elements for us to remember the most significant act in human history, your death, your burial, your resurrection. Lord, I love how the fact that Paul records these words in 1 Corinthians. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also receive, that Christ died for sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and raised on the third day according to the Scripture. Lord, all this was, of course, according to your word. All of history changes or turns on the fact that you gave your life for sinful men. None of us deserve this, Lord. What a gift that is, Lord. Gospel writers record this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread And after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body. Let's take the the bread and just, Lord, thank you for your body that was broken. You allowed yourself to go through that suffering on our behalf. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's take together. Continues, and when he had taken a cup and had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for, the, for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, it was your blood that wa- your blood washes away our sins. Your blood atones for our sins. You're the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Nothing we can do can erase sin, but your blood does, Lord. And so, Lord, we receive that. We thank you that your blood, your spotless blood was poured out as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. We thank you and receive it in Jesus' name. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Why don't we stand up? I got one more thing before we go. Today is a very, very special day. Or tomorrow is. Today is a special day too. It's the day the Lord has given us. But tomorrow is my mother-in-law's birthday. So we want to sing happy birthday. Um, Nick, would you lead us? Because I can't hold the tune. (laughs) 
Oh, yes. Wednesday, men's Zoom. We're having a, a wonderful time, 6.30 to 7.30, yes. And uh, it's been great, so tune in on that. Um, hey, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace in Jesus' name. We'll see you later. Sneak Take care.